story one chapter fourteen of the dwarf's chamber and other stories by fergus hume this librivox recording is in the public domain story one chapter fourteen the air some days after that enlightening visit to the dwarf cemetery warwick entered the library of lord lelanro to find his patron in close conversation with a stranger this gentleman young and prepossessing in appearance he rightly guessed to be mr winyard the kinsman and heir of the old nobleman conversant with the fact that he was also a suitor for the hand of celia it was difficult for warwick to rid his mind of a certain unfounded prejudice and to rightly judge the newcomer no man however broad-minded he may be is sufficiently generous to look impartially on his rival's mental qualifications and physical advantages warwick was only human after all and naturally enough he was not ready to admit in winyard's bearing and speech any superiority to his own strictly speaking the advantage lay with himself for he possessed an aristocracy of looks which was absent in his rival well born though winyard assuredly was yet there must have been some plebeian strain in his family for in appearance and conversation and thought a certain coarseness was apparent which could not fail to be repellent to one so fastidious as lelanro winyard seemed aware of the barrier between them for he was ill at ease in the presence of his kinsman although by assuming a bluff frank air he tried to hide his obvious nervousness warwick who was preternaturally sharp in divining character had little difficulty in arriving at the conclusion that of all men edgar winyard would be the type most obnoxious to his patron outwardly the man was sufficiently well-looking his figure though bulky was good and not burdened with superfluous flesh his head well set on his broad shoulders was covered with crisp yellow hair and he owned a pair of apparently frank blue eyes rather belied by the sullen expression of a thin-lipped mouth yet as this latter defect was hidden under a drooping moustache of a straw colour many people misled by unabashed eyes and bluff manners assumed winyard to be a rough genial creature a trifle unpolished but honest to the core those who held this opinion invariably changed it on further acquaintance that he was what is known as a horsey man could be guessed from his attire which though sufficiently subdued for good breeding betrayed in an indefinable way the tastes of him who elected to wear it moreover he had a way of straddling his legs when standing which reminded warwick of a groom and he could not help thinking that the heir to the lelanro title would have been more at home in a stable-yard than in a library at the first sight perhaps unjustly he disliked the man for the poles were not further asunder than were the idiosyncrasies of this individual and himself time and a closer acquaintance only confirmed the first impression come in come in mr warwick said lelanro with an air of relief do you wish to see me my lord this letter from autolycus replied warwick placing it in the hand of his patron lelanro seized it eagerly but with instinctive courtesy introduced the young men to one another before looking at it although he was most anxious to lose no time in making himself master of the contents 
edgar this is my new secretary mr warwick said he laying his hand on the youth's shoulder and this mr warwick is my kinsman mr winyard who will give us the pleasure of his company for a week or so you will excuse me if i leave you to improve your acquaintance as i wish to read this letter so saying he withdrew to the window of the library where the light fell strongest and adjusting his pince-nez carefully scanned the letter left to their own devices the rivals looked at one another and by their stiff bearing intimated that the introduction was a pleasure to neither warwick quietly bowed and waited for the visitor to speak which he did almost immediately in a most offensive manner so you are my cousin's new secretary said he looking warwick up and down as though he were a horse he is always picking up some new protege in nine cases out of ten his swans turn out geese i trust i may prove the tenth mr winyard replied warwick chafing at this speech i would indeed be ungrateful did i not repay lord lelanro's kindness by all the means at my command can you ride i think so lord lelanro has kindly placed a horse at my disposal the deuce he has retorted winyard and turned insolently away with a muttered remark about a beggar on horseback warwick caught the drift though not the exact words and clenched his hands to prevent himself speaking for the moment he was sorely inclined to retort sharply but fortunately lord lelanro called him to his side before he lost all command of his feelings i see by this letter that autolycus is coming here next week said lelanro who looked pleased i am obliged to him for his promptitude who is autolycus asked edgar with a yawn a person whom i desire to see on business answered lelanro annoyed at his kinsman's want of tact i think you will find celia in the garden edgar thanks i'll see if she'll come out riding with me i suppose your secretary has to attend to his duties mr warwick will stay with me edgar i have a few words to say to him touching this letter warwick bowed and retreated to a distant corner of the library where he did his best to control his anger at the insolent tone of winyard marking his discomposure and easily recognizing the cause lelanro tapped his cousin on the shoulder as he was stepping out to the terrace i hope you will be friends with warwick said he politely he is a young gentleman of great promise and no mean intellectual acquirements i don't care for making friends of servants lord lelanro mr warwick is not a servant retorted the old lord loftily he is as well born as you or i that may be replied edgar nettled by the reproof but he seems far too independent for his position i do not think so said lelanro dryly and i am the best judge of such things i would advise you to be friendly with him edgar it may be to your advantage in the future winyard walked slowly along the terrace with these significant words ringing in his ears he could not understand their meaning as confident of his heirship to the lelanro estates he saw no reason why the friendship of a penniless dependent should be advantageous to him yet there was a meaning in his cousin's speech which rather disquieted him and he sought in vain for the reason which could have induced their utterance at what conclusion he would have arrived is impossible to say but for the moment his cogitations were put an end to by the glimpse he caught of his cousin 
she was walking across the lawn clad in a white dress suited to the heat of the day and smiled under a pink sunshade which imparted a rosy hue to her delicate complexion how do you do edgar said she holding out her hand i am glad to see you cousin you are looking well i'm as well as a man can be who has lost some thousands of late replied the young man moodily i thought i'd come down here to retrench a bit oh said miss lelanro raising her eyebrows then you did not come to see me you know i'd go to the end of the world to see you celia i am sure of that edgar if a horse-race did not detain you how do you think my grandfather is looking oh he's in capital health i believe he'll live for ever i hope and trust he will retorted celia with a flash of her bright eyes you seem to grudge him a long life edgar did indeed grudge him a long life as he was anxious to enjoy the title and finger the revenues of the estates as speedily as possible but brutal as he was shame made him protest against the construction placed on his speech by his quick-witted cousin indeed i do not he protested good-humouredly i hope he'll live to the age of methuselah by the way who is this young cub whom he calls his secretary mr warwick is not a young cub edgar but a very charming young gentleman he has been my grandfather's secretary for over a month and we all like him very much yourself among the number i suppose muttered edgar jealously of course why should i not he's too good-looking for a secretary i don't think so i can't bear ugly people or cross people added celia with a swift glance at the scowl on her cousin's face come edgar do not let us quarrel on the first day of your arrival i have no wish to quarrel celia you know that your slightest wish is law to me indeed then it is my wish that you behave in a friendly fashion to mr warwick why should i he is an insolent young beggar i am sorry to hear it and his insolence consists in what oh it's not what he says fumed edgar the fellow is civil enough but he looks in such a high and mighty manner that there is no bearing him one glance is enough for me i shall never like him well then i like him i see that said edgar sharply and that is one of my reasons for objecting to his presence in the house i think we had better leave the subject alone said celia with great dignity the more so as we are not likely to agree upon it let us converse on other matters madame tot for instance have you seen her no nor do i want to the frightful little monster clearly winyard was in too bad a temper to measure his words so celia who had experienced his rough humour on former occasions was in no mood to put up with a repetition she therefore withdrew herself from his society you will be better by yourself edgar said she turning her back on the discomfited young man and though you despise mr warwick as a servant you could do worse than take a lesson in breeding from him with profuse apologies edgar tried to detain her but celia who was not easily moved when she had once made up her mind refused to remain longer in his company and walked haughtily away confound the fellow growled winyard looking after the retreating form he seems to have bewitched them all first lelanro now celia and i dare say that little horror of a dwarf is as mad over him as the rest 
he was of two minds to seek out warwick and fasten a quarrel on him but as he had reasons not unconnected with a loan of money for keeping on good terms with lelanro he decided not to raise the old gentleman's anger by annoying his protege disgusted at the caution he was forced to observe edgar strolled round to the stables and passed the afternoon in the congenial society of the grooms End of chapter fourteen